before we get into the message, the past week and a half, my voice has been going out, okay? But I did not want to miss this morning. So if you'll be patient with me, I have some tea. I'll probably have to take some sips of that. But I was so excited about the message that I felt like God wanted us to share. I didn't want to miss this morning. So please just bear with me if my voice kind of cuts in and out. Hopefully it won't be too distracting this morning. You know, over the past week and a half, we've had family visiting, and we were going through old photos of our kids, and I came across these photos, and it reminded me when my kids were young, Sarah and I would be doing household chores, and Jaron, one of our boys, had this little toy vacuum, and he loved to get this thing out, and loved to pretend like he was working with us. I think we have another photo of him. And whenever we were sweeping, vacuuming, whatever we were doing, he would say, Dad, don't clean this area. I've already got this, okay? I've already cleaned this up. Because he wanted to be a part of what it was that we were doing. Like, our kids just loved getting involved kind of in the work we were doing. Um, Gabe found another picture of Aiden. This is here in the church kitchen. And Gabriel, Sophie, and Jaron are doing homework. And Aiden hadn't started school yet, so I think we have another photo. If you can look at Aiden, he's crying. He's so mad that he can't do homework, and his brothers and sisters can. He's so frustrated in that photo. Now, honesty moment, it's still not like that in the Escamilla household, okay? We've passed that phase. So most of the time when we ask our kids to do homework or chores, we get sighs, we get frustration, like... They're upset about it. But as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know what? Each and every one of us, we're created to work. God's created us to work. And I want us to spend the next four weeks talking about that. And before you think, oh my, four weeks talking about work, let me explain a little bit of what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about how God has created us with a purpose. God loved you enough to create you with a purpose. And what that looks like in our life and why that's so important that we realize that the work that God has created us to do and what that means for each and every one of us. About a year ago, our staff was reading through a book together called Garden City. It's the book where we're taking a lot of the ideas for these messages. It's written by a Christian author and pastor named John Mark Comer. And as soon as we read that, it so challenged us in the way that we view work. We thought this is something we have to share with the whole church. And so that's where we're going to be kind of taking some of these ideas for the next few weeks. And we have a copy of that book to give away this morning. And so, Samantha, I know you love John Mark Comer, so we'll give her a copy of that book. This is the book right up there. Okay, someone else. Yep, you get to choose. So every week, I'll give away a copy of this book because I believe it's so good. It's something that can really encourage us and challenge us in what we're looking at of the purpose that God has given us and how he loves us enough. And so I want to just tell you, the next four weeks are not work hard. You can be successful. God loves you. He's going to make you rich. That's not what this is about. It's not don't be lazy because God doesn't want you to be lazy. You should work hard as a Christian. That's not what this is about. We're going to look at how God has designed us and created us and how he invites us to partner with him in what it is that he's doing in the world. And so I want to start just by asking this question, 
How do you view work? Stop and think about that. How do you view work? Now, maybe a lot of things come into your mind when you think about work. And I'm not just talking about what you get paid to do. It could be chores, errands, groceries, students. A lot of you don't get paid for the work that you do because a lot of the work you do has to do with school and your education. And so you don't get to take the next four weeks off. I'm talking to you and what that looks like. How do you partner with God? How do you view the work that he's given you? Is it stressful? Is it frustrating? Is it difficult, something you have to get through in order to do the really fun stuff? Or how do you view the work that God has given you? And so I think the best place that we can find the answer to that question is to go into scripture of what work truly means and what God sees work as. And so if you have your Bibles, turn this morning to Genesis chapter 2. And we're going to start reading at verse 9 and go through verse 15. So Genesis 2, 9 through 15. And in case you've never read the first part of the Bible, in Genesis 1, this is the very beginning, we get the creation story. And we're told how God worked and the world was formed. And then in Genesis 2, we get a little bit more detail. And in the middle of Genesis 2, there's always been this section of Scripture that has puzzled me. And I have no idea, or I didn't have any idea why it was part of the creation story. So let's look at this. It says this. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. That's where Adam and Eve were at. And from there it separated into four headways. The name of the first was is the Pishon, and it winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. There's aromatic resin and oxen that are also there, or onyx. And the name of the second river is Gihon, and it winds through the entire land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, and it runs along the east side of Ashur, and the fourth river is the Euphrates. And God took the man, and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to just highlight that last phrase. God took man, and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Now, what's important to know here is this is before sin ever entered into the world. Okay? So work is not a punishment from God. It may feel like that sometimes, or we may think that, but work is not a punishment from God. And as I always read this, I thought, what is this? And my mind could only think, maybe this is a treasure map back to Eden, right? Like if you can find these rivers and the way that they go, maybe you can locate where the Garden of Eden is because we read in chapter 3 how God had removed Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden and he had placed kind of a protection, angelic, fiery angels around it so that we could not re-enter the garden. So maybe this is some kind of roadmap, but I think something else is going on here. See, I think it's an idea of what God was asking Adam and Eve to do, to work it and to take care of it. And in Genesis chapter 1, we see a God who's creating, who's forming, who's shaping the world around him and everything that we see in it, we see God at work. And I believe in Genesis chapter 2, God is turning to his creation, saying, I want you to join with me in the work that I'm doing. He's looking at Adam and Eve and saying, hey, I've given you all of the materials, gold, to create beautiful things out of, aromatic resin, onyx. We read later in the Bible that the land of Cush was full of topaz. There's all of these things that God has given 
Adam and Eve to take the garden and to form something amazing out of it. God is inviting his creation to join with him and to partner with him in what it is that he's producing. This is a God who loves work, who enjoys it, and who wants you and me to be a part of it because God loved you enough to create you for a purpose. See, and when this story was first written, it wasn't the only creation story. There were other nations, other people who thought the creation story was different, like the Babylonians, and they worshipped the god Marmaduke. They didn't worship Yahweh that we read about in the Bible. And their creation story went something like this, that Marmaduke created the world. He put all of these smaller gods in charge of it. They were over animals, the river. They were over you know, livestock. They were over all of these things. And one day, the gods came to Marmaduke. And they said, you know what? We're so tired of doing the work you, create, call, you gave us to do. We don't want to do it anymore. We need to outsource it. And so Marmaduke said, okay, we'll create men and women. And they'll do the work that you don't want to do so that the gods can be at ease. And so we can look at work as, well, God just got tired. And he didn't want to do this anymore. And so he looked at you and me and said, okay, I need you to take care of this now because I'm done. Or we could think, well, maybe this is punishment, that we messed up. And so God said, okay, now you're going to have to work until you're 65, until you have enough money to retire. And then you can go do the fun stuff that you want to do. Or we can look at this as the creation tells, as the creation story, where God says, I'm inviting you into what I'm doing. And I love you enough. This is not a God who hates work. This is a God who enjoys it. And he looks at his creation and he says, I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. I want every part of your life, not just Sunday mornings, not just a quick moment. I want every moment of your life. And it's so important that we learn this church. And here's why. The average American will spend 90,000 hours of their life working. 90,000 hours. And most of us have the mindset of, well, we've got to get through that to do the really good stuff, right? Like after I get off of work, that's where I start to live life. That's where I start to have fun. That's where my life has purpose or meaning. And that's where I get to do the really great stuff. And we end up losing 90,000 hours of our life because we don't really understand work from God's perspective. We don't understand what he's called us to do or what that means. And so we kind of throw that off to the side. I got to get through that. I got to get done with that. I got to get that over so that I can get to the really good stuff. And God's saying, no, I want to redeem that too. That's part of my salvation. That's part of what I'm doing in your life is redeeming and restoring every single part of who you are and what I created you for. And so how do we shift that mindset? How do we get from seeing work as like a punishment, something we have to get through, to something God has given us to do? And so I want to give you some things that I think help us in understanding that God loved you enough to create you for a purpose. The first is this right here. It's that you find the work God created you to do. Find the work God created you to do. I truly believe this, that whenever we come to Christ and we surrender our life to him, we give him every part of our life, everything that we are, everything that we have, we surrender that to him. And that involves the work that we do as well, like what it is that God has given us to do. 
And so students, you're about to enter that age of your life. Maybe you're in high school and you're thinking about what, it, what is it that I want to do? Or maybe there's young adults in this room or you're watching online and you're saying, I'm getting ready to go to college. That's not a conversation you have on your own. You invite God into that conversation. He's a part of what it is that he wants you to do, of understanding that, of forming that. You bring God in on that conversation. It's not, what do I just find interesting? What do I think sounds fun? How can I make some money or how can I get rich? It's not any of those conversations. It's God, what have you created me to do? You've given me a purpose, God. You loved me enough to give me a purpose. We see this in the scripture. God does this with Adam in Genesis 2.15. It says this, the Lord God took man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Adam starts off as a gardener. It says this, Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock, over all the wild animals, over the creatures that move along the ground. God said, hey, I want to establish men and women as kings and queens here over the creation that I've given them. Genesis 1.28, he tells them, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over all the fish, birds, and creatures on the ground. In Genesis 2.19, we see Adam naming the animals. God gave man and women work to do before sin ever entered the picture. And all of these things are just a reflection of what God was already doing. Like maybe you've never stopped and thought about all the work and everything that we do is simply a reflection of what God has already done. Because in Genesis chapter 1, we see God as this amazing poet, as a writer. He's speaking out these words that form every single thing into existence. Everything that we see. God is a zoologist. He's making all the animals and putting them in the right place where they live, where they thrive, where they can grow. He's a botanist. He's forming plants, right, to feed us, to sustain us. He's creating that. He's an engineer. The way the tides form and the way the earth is formed, all of those things. He's an astronomer put all of the stars in the heavens in their place exactly where they should go. He's a scientist. All of the chemicals going on in our body just to sustain life. God has done about every job that we could ever imagine before the first seven days ever started in this world. God's done it all. And so God created you with a purpose. You're not an accident. He said, I want you to reflect what it is that I've already done. I want you to be a part of creating and what it is that I'm doing and forming and and bringing life to this world. God's already done that. So I want you to stop and think about this. If you could do anything, what would you do? You don't have to worry about money. There's no family expectations. Well, my mom and dad want me to do this, right? You remove all of those pressures. What is it that you would do? What is it that God has called you to do. Maybe just take a moment, just think about that. And I want you to think about the heart of that. Because finding the work that God created you to do is answering that question. God, what is it? What's that purpose? God, what is it that you've called me to do? Now, that doesn't mean switching jobs for most of us. Like for most of us, it's just stopping and thinking about, hey, God, what's that purpose that you've given me? And where God has put you, 
So maybe you work a retail job or, or you're a server at a restaurant, but you love systems. Well, then how do you take your love of systems and make it more efficient in the job that you already have? Maybe you're an owner or a manager, you run a business, but you're like, I love teaching people. Then how do you take your job and bring in that heart and passion to teach others, to grow them, to develop the gifts and the skills that they have? How has God created you to do that? And how can you do that right where you're at? Maybe you're a teacher, but you love fixing problems. Then how do you help kids fix some of the problems and the issues that they face in their life for the majority of us? It doesn't mean resigning our job and going and doing something else. It's saying, God, how do I take what you've given me to do and live it out to the fullest right where you have put me at, right where you've placed me, God? How can I do that? You're a mechanic and you love to create, create with cars. Like find what it is that God has given you to do right where you are at and find that God-given purpose in your life and begin to live that out. So I want you to hear me very clear. Do not go to your work and hand in your two-week resignation tomorrow, okay? It's not what I'm saying. Now, you may come to the place where you're saying, God, I can't really live out my God-given purpose in this job. It doesn't mean quit right away. Begin to pray, God, open up the right doors. Like, help me to see the right doors opening, God, so that I can live out your purpose and what it is that you've given me to do because he's created you for a purpose and so it's finding the work that God has given you to do but it's also partnering with God in his work it's partnering with God in the work that he is doing in the world around us you remember the creation story this is not a God who hates work we're told that he sat back after six days of work and he looked at it and he said I enjoy this. This is good. It's amazing what he had created, and he wants us to have that same perspective, that what we're doing, that we get to enjoy it. We get to partner with God in, excuse me, in the work that he's doing. And so in Romans chapter 5, verse 17, this is what it says. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man. That's talking about Adam and Eve and the sin and their rebellion against God and how each and every one of us have felt the effects of that. And then he goes on to say, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness, then look at this, reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes we read this verse and we think, oh yeah, that's when we get to heaven. We get to reign with God. Or, you know, Adam sinned and we all felt the effects of that and Jesus has saved us. And so maybe deep inside of us, our spirit, like that's where we get to really connect with Jesus. And God is saying, no, I want you to partner with me in everything that it is that I'm doing. Reigning is not somewhere off in the distant future. It's partnering with God right now in every single part of your life. See, I believe one of the biggest lies that Satan has told us is that, oh, it's just pastors that get to partner with God in their work. It's just the church people, right? Like people that get paid to work for the church, that's who really gets to partner with God in their work. And, and the rest of us, we have to get through work so we can get to the important stuff of reading our Bible, of praying, of going to church. Like we have to kind of get through work so that we can get to the partnering with God. And God's saying, no, I want to partner with you in your job right where you're at. 
what you're currently doing. I want to be a part of that. Every single moment of every single day, I want to be with you. And so we have this task. We have this call of God in partnering with him to put on display what it looks like for God to be working in the world around us. What do I mean by that? Students, you're sitting in math class. I know you don't want to think about it because school's still a month away. But you're doing an algebra problem, and you have to think, God's right here with me. Yahweh's in this class with me. And how would he study for this test? And how would he do this homework? And how would he see algebra? Because I'm called to partner with him in the work that I've been given to do. You may be a teacher in a classroom. How would Yahweh teach those students? How would he love them and help them grow in their mind? Maybe you're a business owner. So how would Yahweh respond when that employee shows up late for the third day in a row and you're so frustrated and you're mad? How would he respond? How would he react? See, we're partnering with God in our work. This isn't God, I come in on Sunday and I connect with you and then I go out through the week and I do my own thing. And then I eventually get to come back to you. This is God saying, no, I'm walking with you. Every moment of every day, wherever you go, you get to partner with me in the work that you are doing in the creating and what it is that's being formed in the world around us. You are putting on display the risen Savior every single day. It's what you and I are called to do. So I know in this room there's so many occupations represented. I wish that I could take time to go through all of them. But God's saying, I want to partner with you in that. In the work that you're doing, I want to be a part of that. In what I've called you to do, I want you to invite me in with you into every moment of your day. And I want you to put me on display to a world that desperately needs to see me everywhere that you go. See, that's what it means to partner with God. The last thought of how we understand that God loved us enough to create us for a purpose is this. It's that you kabosh in the work God has given you. Now, I know you're probably thinking, what in the world does kabosh mean? In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, it says this. God told Adam and Eve, I want you to fill the earth and subdue it. I want you to rule over all the fish, the birds, and the creatures on the ground. Now, we translate that Hebrew word kabosh into rule and subdue, but it actually had a lot deeper of a meaning. What God was doing is he was looking at Adam and Eve, and he was saying, I've given you the power and authority that whenever you see anything wild, that you would bring culture and you would tame that. I've given you the power and authority that whenever you see chaos, you would bring order. That whenever you see discord, you would bring harmony. That's what God is telling them. This idea that they would take a garden and turn it into a city. God's saying, I want you to form. I want you to create. Just like I formed the world around you now, I'm inviting you into my work. I'm inviting you into what it is that I'm doing, and I'm asking you to kibosh. And so what does that mean? It means adults, when you go into work tomorrow morning, 
and you're like, this place is so stressful and it doesn't seem like people get along and there's such discord, God's given you the power and authority to kibosh, to bring order, to bring harmony. It could be in your house and you're like, man, there seems to be such strife here. You have a God who's with you that says kibosh, bring order, bring harmony, create something form with me, do something alongside of me of, of bringing form and beauty to the world around you. I'm inviting you into this story with me. That's what God has given us the power and the authority to do. So you're not walking into work in your own power. Students, you're not walking into that classroom or onto the sports field or into band practice just in your own power and authority. You have a God who walks with you. And church, here's why it's so important that we get this, is if we miss this, we tend to just live our life in moments, just highlights. When God's saying, I want to redeem every second of every day in your life. I want to be with you, not just on Sunday mornings, not just five minutes when you start your day and you open up the Bible or you pray, not just when you have worship music on in the car, I want to be with you when you're washing dishes. When you are doing laundry, you are kiboshing. You're bringing order to chaos, okay? When you're at work and you're doing spreadsheets, you're kiboshing. You're partnering with God in what it is that he's doing. You're putting on display what it looks like for Yahweh to work in the world that he has placed us in. And you're not doing it alone, church. You have a God who's walking beside you. And you guys, as we open up scripture, this is more than just be a good worker, work hard, do something awesome, be successful. This is a God who says, I want to be in relationship with you. And so I'll even go to work with you. Students, I want to be in relationship with you. And so I'll go to school with you. I want to be in relationship with you. And so... I'll get groceries with you. Whatever it is that you're doing, I want to work with you. I want to work through you. I desire to be close to my people. I'm inviting you into what it is that I'm doing. That's the kind of God that we serve. He wants to be near to us. And that's what he's speaking to us. And so I want to pray for us this morning. If you would take a moment, bow your head and close your eyes. And maybe you're here this morning, but your picture of God has been very different than what I just painted. When you think of God, you don't think of someone partnering with you. Maybe you think of someone that's against you. You don't think of someone that wants to be in relationship. Maybe you feel like that's someone you're disconnected from. And this morning, this simple message is God wants to be a part of every part of our life, even the work that we do, even the work he's given us to do. And so if that's you this morning and you're saying, Aaron, I'm disconnected from God, or maybe you're watching online and you're saying, I've never really thought about having a relationship with God or getting to know God, then I want to lead you in a prayer. It's just a very simple prayer. and I want to invite you to repeat after me. And I'm going to ask everyone in the room and everyone watching online to pray this out loud with me. Jesus, I come to you. 
I need you in my life. And so I admit that I've messed up. I've sinned against you. And I'm asking for your forgiveness. I invite you into my life. Be the Savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Give me a brand new start. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Church, can we just put our hands together and celebrate? And if you prayed that prayer to either start a relationship or maybe you feel disconnected and you're wanting to reconnect with God, we don't want you to do that alone. And so we have some amazing team members here. We call them New Life Coaches who just want to reach out to you. And there's a simple way that you can do that. If you scan um, the QR code that you see right there on the screen um, and online, you can see that on your screen. Take a moment, scan that. Um, Just reach out to us and let us know that you prayed that prayer, that you made that decision. And we want to walk with you and encourage you and pray with you this morning um, just for that brand new start that God wants to give you. I believe God is doing something amazing in your life, and it's, it's something new. It's a fresh chapter in your life, and we want to walk with you as you take that journey with Jesus and start that relationship with him. And then all of us this morning are going to respond together um, in one more way. And that is, I wanted to create just a little bit of space, and so I'm going to ask you not to rush out this morning, but we want to take a few moments and just dialogue about what it is that God's challenged us with this morning. And so on the screen, we're going to put up a few questions here in a moment that are just talking about the message. And maybe right where you're sitting at, or you may turn around and find one or two other people, we want to make sure no one's alone. So if you need to get out of your seat and go join someone else, you can do that. Or if you're watching online, just in the chat box or in the comment box, take a moment, just start filling out some of these dialogue together. But we want to take a moment and talk about these questions and just encourage each other. How do we take what God's challenge is with this morning and how do we live that out this week? How do we put on display the amazing God that we serve and we invite him into every part of our life? And so we're going to put about five minutes up on the screen, and then we're going to do these questions together. So the questions that we have are this, um, growing up, how did you view work? Was it a gift, something you had to do? Was it a way to partner with God in what he's doing? Then the second question, if you could do anything, what would you do? We talked about that in the middle of the message. And then how do you think God is asking you to rule, kibosh, to work as a reflection of him this week and what's one thing you can do to make that happen. So right now, if you guys would start to do that, maybe turn around, get together with the people on your row right around you and let's take just a few moments and let's do that together.